You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together and make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys Ooh, Bosco's boys Come on, boys Boom, the boys are back the boys are back and it is i scott wildcat with my trusty sidekick chauncey bosco the wonder pup he is sitting shotgun and he is the co-host today we'll see if he chimes up with any sort of uh any sort of analysis today but this is day one of blitz month now it's not very original this year because uh, we, we I don't, man, I never even came up with a uh, wording for July, but we ended up going to show a day every single day in July, and uh, we're going to keep it going. Uh, the second straight year, we're going to do one show every weekday in August, and I'm going to be talking to just about everyone who talks and covers K-State football over the next month. I have some of my good friends uh, this week. I, I, and, and you know what? I'm not going to tease them ahead of time because, you know, crazy things always hap- happen with schedules. Uh, but I, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. You know, um, at some point you're going to hear all the KSO boys. You're going to hear my boys, the Aggieville Alley Cats. We're going to try to get the three Maw guys on. Uh, Mitch Fortner, over at uh, K-Man, you know, the new, not new, but he's the sports director. He's hosting the game over there. He's the PA voice of the Wildcats. At some point, we'll get Brian Smoller, where we'll not only just talk K-State football, but we'll talk about K-State volleyball and women's soccer as well. And we might have a few surprises in there during this time as well. I'll still be working towards some of the big shows we typically have in August, Hoping to get Gene Taylor on. Again, at one point I thought I was going to have Jerome Tang for this episode. But he's a busy, busy man. Uh, we'll get to that later. So I'm still going to work to try to get that to you guys sometime in August as well. And who knows, maybe, you know, if we can't get him, maybe I'll have to go after Jareem Dowling, uh, Yurik Malagy, Rodney Perry, one of the assistant coaches, maybe King Marco Bourne. But it's going to be a fun month. 
and it's going to be the lead up to football season. August is always, you know, it's the tease, it's the appetizer. Uh, I can't wait to uh, dive into it and just cover everything. Fall camp hasn't even opened up, and I'm going to talk about kind of the storylines I'll be watching for keeping my ear to the ground on. But before we get into the meat of the show, this week of Blitz Month is sponsored by Adopt Don't Shop. You guys hear me talking about my good boy Chauncey Bosco, the best pup in the entire world. I adopted him just a little over a year ago today. There are so many great animal shelters out there and places where you can find your next furry friend. So if you're on the fence or if you're thinking about it, look into your closest local animal shelter and find your next furry best friend. My life has become infinitely better since I adopted Chauncey Bosco and I think your life would be better with a new furry friend as well. Reach out to me if you're looking for any good Adoption agencies, good pet shelters in the Kansas City or Topeka area, and I would love to help you guys. All right, let's get into the meat of the show. Um, I'm going to talk about this one real quick because it was the biggest news story in K-State sports this week. I'm not going to dwell too much about it. I'm not going to hammer the kid or his family either, but Dylan Edwards has decided to decommit from K-State now. Uh, I'm not going to spin this as, oh... This is a good thing, but I will say Joe Jackson is an elite running back. He had the same grade on rivals. He's right there on the edge of being a four-star. We're still going after John Randall Jr., who's actually a higher-rated running back in the state of Kansas. So I'm not going to melt down over it. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Um, But but he's a good talent. I I think he's going to be successful no matter where his college career goes. Now... I understand K-State fans and probably coaches are pretty upset with the decision. Uh, Just over a month ago, you know, 35 days before he decommits, he has a pep rally where he talks about the reason why he's committing to K-State is their unwavering loyalty. He talks about how now that he's committed, he's not going to decommit. He's never going to transfer out. K-State was his dream school. We saw the emotion and the production from Leon Edwards. Someone who played at K-State. I understand why K-State fans now feel burnt uh, and burnt out by Dylan Edwards. And I'm sure the coaches are not happy either. I'm not telling you to be happy. I'm not telling you to accept. I'm not telling you guys to do anything except for this. If you're on Twitter, don't at the kid. If you have a public platform, don't trash the kid. I'm not trashing it. It's a disappointing thing. It's a puzzling thing based on everything that he would tell uh, K-State fans what he said during his commitment. But at the end of the day, this is big-time college football recruiting. And it sucks. It sucks. And the, and I don't like it. I, I don't like hearing the production they put on him deciding to transfer out. But hey, that's his prerogative. You only get, you know, well, I was about to say you only get to choose your school once. But in the transfer portal era, we know that's not true. Uh, but hey. Best of luck to Dylan Edwards. It will not be at K-State, but I'm not worried. If anyone's worried about the future of K-State running back, all I'm going to say is look at the offensive line that Connor Riley's putting together. Look at the offense, you know, the the principles that Chris Kleiman brought over and what I'm sure 
Colin Klein is going to bring to the table. This is a dream situation for any running back. And I have zero doubt that not only do we have Deuce Vaughn, I think we have guys like Big Tony Frias and DJ Giddens who are going to be successful in this offense. I think Joe Jackson is going to flourish in this offense. I think if JRJ comes to K-State, he is going to put up numbers that are, you know, on that Deuce Vaughn level. Granted, he's going to do it different. I don't think he's much as much of a cat or pass catcher, but he might be the best pure running back we've had since Alex Barnes or Daniel Thomas. So I have, I'm not going to lose any sleep over the running back position. Uh, and, and I don't think K-State fans should either. It sucks the way it happened. It sucks the way, uh, you know, the, the production of it all. But hey, I think it's best to move on because we have some real dudes. Before I talk about the big storylines I'll be covering and really be watching out for this college football season, uh, again, Despite the biggest news of the week being a decommitment, K-State pulled in four guys since I last recorded a a regular episode. Four guys. Now, I'm not going to pretend to be a big recruiting guy. I don't. I I follow it. Shout out to K-State Online, Derek Young, Drew Galloway, uh, and of course Grant Flanders. Uh, They do such a great job, and I'm subscribed over there. And you know what? Over at Go Paracat, I'm, they do a great job. There are so many folks who follow K-State recruiting, and they talk about it better than I do. But again, I'm pumped because we have four guys in the last you know, five days that have committed. And this is the thing that I want to stress. If you look at these guys, you have two defensive ends, 6'5", 240, 6'6", 244, a linebacker, 6'2", 230, who has... A sub four pro agility. You have Robert Lester, RJ Lester, 6'3, 185, runs a 4'4, 40, and played his entire junior, well, not the entire, but the back end of his junior high school season with one broken arm and one broken hand on separate hands. And this dude played through all of it. This staff is finding the bodies and the athletes. And they're identifying talent better than anyone else in the game. I'm going to start with Kidi Obazar. Obazar? Obazar? I don't know. You guys know how bad I am. He's the most recent one. Defensive end out of um, Eden Prairie, Minnesota. This is another camp circuit guy where they saw him perform in these camp circuits. They offered him. They closed him quick. I already talked about R.J. Lester. Over at On3 Sports, they have him as the number 40 ranked cornerback in the entire nation and the number three player in Arkansas. Really close to having a four-star grade over there with him. Again, he has that competitive spirit. He has that dog in him where he played through one broken arm on one arm and a broken hand on the other and played his final few games of his junior season with those injuries. That's the type of guy you want, especially at cornerback. Austin Romaine, again, fits that athletic build and ability that you want out of your linebacker. Because, again, if you're doing a sub-4 pro agility as a 16-year-old weighing 230, just imagine what he's going to be able to do when he gets in with Tremaine Carroll. And then the one that actually is a pretty good recruiting win 
and that is Ryan Davis. Again, another 6'4", 240 defensive end. I think both of these guys are going to be in that defensive end mold that we saw Jalen Pickle this year and last year. Boom, Massey, kind of that heavier defensive end. We beat out Boise State, Oregon State, uh, Washington State, San Diego State for a kid out of Arizona. So again, we're going into another region, beating out schools that have that regional tie to Arizona, and we're getting him as well. I think we grabbed two very good defensive ends uh, and, and a DB and a linebacker. I think all four of these guys are going to be contributors. At least three out of the four, I believe, are going to do time starting during their time at K-State. I think that this staff has really found their groove. They know the type of bodies that they want. They know the type of athletes that they want. And if they're not the most polished football player, they're going to coach them up. And I love that about this coaching staff. We've seen it already. If you give them the athletes, if you give them the bodies, they're going to mold you and then they're going to teach you how to get it done. And folks, I think this is another set of great pickups. I'm pumped about it. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell folks not to be upset with the bigger story. But guys, they're doing a great job. And again, it, it may not are, are they going to be a top 35 recruiting class on paper? I have no idea. At this point, I think you gotta really close on some of the higher profile guys that you're in on. But but you don't need to do it. Again, I want to recruit the higher caliber guys. I want to recruit the you know, four and five star, the high three stars. I want to beat a lot of power five programs, which we have. That's the difference between some of the three stars we've maybe seen in the past in these groups. They're beating out power five competition for them. And yes, if you're asking me if I want a top 25 recruiting class, I would sign up for it every single year. But it was the old adage, and I didn't love it when it was Bill Snyder, especially at the end, because I don't think he was getting the type of athletes, the type of players, the type of dudes that we are now. But K-State, in the new era of the Big 12, is the second best team in the Big 12 when you're looking at consistency and amount of wins. And in that time, on paper, the second worst recruiting school. Bill Snyder was one of, if not the greatest coaches when it came to coaching him up. And Chris Kleiman, I think, in this current staff that he has, and again, he has some absolute studs teaching these guys, I think that they are now the best in the Big 12. I truly, truly believe that. Now, I think a lot of folks might try to disagree with me, but when you're looking at the results he's getting compared to the amount of NFL draft picks, granted we had two last year, compared to the rivals 247 on three recruiting rankings and seeing the results, I don't see how anyone can dispute it. And I don't see how any football player in the high school JUCO or transfer ranks can look at what Chris Kleiman has been able to accomplish in the two normal football seasons. The COVID year, stupid, doesn't count. But two eight-win seasons, with the talent on paper that a lot of folks look at and say, oh, they're going to finish near the bottom of the Big 12. You know, I I don't see how anyone couldn't want to come and play at K-State. I feel like anyone 
who has aspirations of winning, being developed, and setting themselves up to maximize their talent should come to K-State. Now, we're going to see it this year, and I think it is going to help out Chris Kleiman and this staff recruiting so much if they can get some of these guys into the NFL. And we've talked about it, and this is going to be something that I'm sure we talk about in the winter and in the spring and the build-up to the NFL, and probably throughout the season as these players are starting to perform. But when you have two boundary corners who fit the profile of guys that should be and could be NFL draft picks, you get excited. You have two guys in Felix and Udike Uzama and Cooper Beebe who are being mocked in the first round. You start to get excited. You see a guy like Adrian Martinez where you think, okay, maybe he we can get back-to-back years with a guy in the back end of the NFL draft at quarterback. That would be massive. Deuce Vaughn going to be drafted whenever he goes. You have some other guys on the fringe. If you could have a year where you have a big number, that's going to help you out on the recruiting trail because at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest draws for some of these high-level high school recruits. So we'll see what happens there. And again, there are months upon months upon months of football and all sorts of stuff before we really need to dive into that. But that will be something that's on the back of my mind. Before I talk about the, and I tease this up front, the storylines that I'm really going to be focused in on during this fall camp. Remember, we're going live 7 p.m. Wednesday night on ColorCast. Boys and girls, these are the most fun Wednesdays. And now with the season getting closer, soon we're going to have our bonehead over and under uh, Big 12 conversation. We're going to have our bonehead predictions extravaganza. So if you're not on ColorCast, get over there now. We're going live Wednesday at 7 p.m. Okay, so camp opens, I believe, this week, which, again, we made it through summer. You know, Chiefs training camp started. I think we're going to have the NFL Hall of Fame game on Thursday. We are getting football. We, we have made it through. We have made it through, and it feels so good. But here are the things that I'm going to, you know, be asking anytime I get a chance to ask anyone who's at practice, any of my quote-unquote sources, uh, these are the stories I'll be looking out for from Kellis Robinette, uh, from K-State Online, from anyone who covers the team. And the biggest one for me, the number one thing I'm going to be keyed in on, what's the back end of the defense going to look like? I think we pretty much know the starters at defensive line, linebacker, and boundary corners. You have, you have to replace three starters at safety. Three starters. Now, they brought in a lot of guys. TJ Smith is coming back. But, but how's that going to look? You know, some of them weren't able to practice in the spring. Some of them came in after spring practice ended. That's the biggest question mark. Honestly, that's the only truly unknown piece of this offense, or of this entire team, because that's defense, but the entire team. Because there's going to be some position battles. There's going to be stuff to keep an eye on. 
But the only true unknown question mark is going to be the three safeties. I mean, it could be any combination of any of the guys. Now, luckily, I think they brought in some legitimate studs back there. And we're going to see what happens. I mean, I, I think I think you could pencil in Josh Hayes in there as being one of those guys. I think the other one is going to be Kobe Savage out of Ty- Tyler, Texas. And then you just start to wonder, okay, who else is going to be there? Is it going to be TJ Smith? Is it going to be Drake Cheatham? What about Justice Clemens? Is he going to be playing cornerback? Is he going to be playing safety? Luckily, you have athletes. And, and again, I think I think with Josh Hayes moving there, again, a guy that Coach Klanderman knows, Coach Kleiman knows, you feel confident about that. Again, everything we heard about Kobe Savage is that he's going to be back there. Now, what about TJ Smith? You know, I if you're putting a gun to my head, those are the three I'm saying. Savage, Hayes, and Smith. But luckily you have guys you can rotate through there. And I think that's what's going to be very important about fall camp and in that very first game. Getting looks at these guys and figuring out how they play together. Who's going to be best in which of those three roles. And how they're going to mesh. Because if you have the safeties, if you have the safeties play solid. If you have the safeties play average. I think that this could be the best defense in the Big 12. Now, I think that's saying a lot because I think Baylor is going to be super salty. I think Baylor's defense is going to be salty, especially because they're bringing back a lot of that disruption on the defensive line. I think they're going to be very good. But again, we have maybe the best pass rushers in the league you have Daniel Green coming back from an all-Big 12-type performance. And Will Honus played so good that a former four-star decided he was going to leave town because he wasn't going to play over him. Now, linebacker, if you have any sort of injury, I'm starting to get super nervous. If Eli Huggins gets hurt, and again, Hentz is going to... You heard some good things about Robert Hentz down at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, you've heard good things about Uso. Uh at defensive tackle, and then you have some of the young guys back there that hopefully they're up to playing shape. But, you know, if if Eli Huggins gets hurt, if Daniel Green gets hurt, um, I'm going to be worried. I'm going to be worried. But if healthy, that starting 11, if your safeties can play even at Big 12 average level, you definitely have a shout to be, at minimum, one of the top three defenses in the conference. The other thing that I'm going to definitely keep my ear on is any talk about Nate Matlack. Now, I don't think he is going to be a starter because I think they like that bigger end on the strong side of that defensive line because they're not playing a true edge role. I think that you're going to see a lot of Jalen Pickle. and I'm a big Jalen Pickle fan. I'm a big pick guy. I love Pickle. So I'm not upset about that. But I think you're going to see Nate Matlack. He's going to be the predominant backup to Felix. And we know how much they like to rotate. I think you're going to see him on the edge uh, opposite of Felix in obvious passing downs. Now they don't go full jet package, 
you know, like they did back at the end of Bill Snyder where you'd have four defensive ends out on the field at once. But I think in obvious passing situations, you're going to see, uh, you know, Nate Matlack on the opposite end of Felix. But I think he has the potential to maybe make it so he is so good. He, he continues his work so much that maybe you can't keep him off of the field. Because just like I think Felix Anudike Uzama is going to eventually be a first-round draft pick, I think Nate Matlack, by the time he leaves K-State, might be doing that as well. And you got to give so much credit to Buddy Wyatt. Now, Nate Matlack came in with a higher pedigree than Felix did. Felix, again, was so close to either going to North Dakota State, which that might not have even been an option for him anymore, or just being a regular student, not even walking on at Mizzou. And now he's turned in himself into the defensive preseason player of the year. But I think Nate Matlack... It's ju- he has the pedigree and he has a chance to be just as good and make that big step up. So I'll definitely be keeping my ear uh, out for him. And and then the other the only other thing on defense because again I I think things are pretty wrapped up. Are we going to hear anything about Khalid Duke? He's coming back from an injury. Uh, it didn't sound. I mean, there wasn't a resounding oh he's back one hundred percent type of declaration from coach Kleiman down at media days. I think he'll be asked about that in his first fall camp press conference. So uh, I, I think we'll get some news, but I, I will be anxious to kind of hear, you know, how uh, Khalid Duke is doing. And is he going to be on the field uh, flipping over to the offensive side? I mean, the number one thing I'm going to kind of keep my ear out on is Okay. How's Adrian Martinez looking? We've all heard the stories now about how great he was in the final couple spring practices. We've heard kind of the lore of how he's been looking at seven on seven. Now, what sort of tidbits are going to come out of camp and, you know, any sort of open practices about how he's out there? Again, he's coming back from a shoulder surgery. Uh, And again, he also played last year with a broken jaw and like an orbital bone that was fractured as well. This guy is a gamer, and he's fixed up, hopefully up to 100%, and hopefully we're not going to get him killed out there like he was constantly at Nebraska running for his life. Uh, I mean, that has to be the number one thing folks are going to be keyed in on and listening for. I I, I think that, uh, honestly, and it's probably going to be like this maybe for – Every offseason, every fall camp, spring ball from here on, you know, for the next few years, is going to be keyed in on the quarterbacks. But at least for this year, it is all Adrian Martinez. And I'm going to, any Adrian Martinez nugget I can get, I'm, I'm going to be waiting for it I'm with, you know, bated breath. The next one on offense is going to be around the offensive line. So I think that we know for a stone cold fact that you have three starters. I think it's going to be. At right tackle, Christian Duffy. Again, his longevity and being able to solid at that right tackle spot has really said something. The the kid has been a starter for the better part of, you know, what, three years now? Ever since Coach Kleiman came in, he's been holding down that spot for the better part of it. No injuries. Solid. Again, I, I'm not putting him on any draft boards yet. Uh, with a big year, maybe he does. 
if he tests well, maybe maybe he does find his way on there. Uh, but I, I think that he is going to be holding down that right tackle spot. Right guard, we know it's going to be Taylor Portier. Again, a triumphant return. And remember, in fall camp before he got hurt, Connor Riley was saying he was the best offensive lineman that we had. So that right-hand side of the line, you know what it's going to be. Now, when you get to center, is it going to be Hanley Panzer or Gillum? I mean, I, you know, in a perfect world, you always go with the younger guy with Panzer, but Gillum, I believe, was the guy who took snaps there last year if it wasn't Johnson. So who is it going to be there? That's going to be the big, uh, you know, big conversation. And then what's going to happen on the left side? We know Cooper Beebe is going to be that guy. We know it. Doesn't matter, you know, whether it's Panzer, Gillum, it doesn't, you know, Taylor Poitier, Christian Depp, like we know, we know that. And we know Cooper Beebe is going to start. But is it going to be at left guard or is it going to be at left tackle? It ultimately comes down to KT Leviston, who's been playing left guard, or Andrew Leingang, who's been playing left tackle. Who of those two guys is going to make it so they have to be the starter? Again, just like every position on the team except for quarterback, they shuffle their offensive line, I think, probably more than any other team in the country. I don't particularly like it, but hey, I'm not a coach. I'm not going to tell them how to do their job, at least not today, you know, recording this on July 31st. But if Andrew Gang, again, I think he's going to be the next great guy, you know, Taylor Bratt was ranting and raving about the athletic ability that he has even while carrying all that weight. I think that if if everything we've heard is true, I think you have to play him at left tackle, slide Cooper down the left guard. Use KT Lev as your swing guy where he can go in anywhere on the, at at any of the guards, then you let Cooper be flexible. I think that is the route to go. And I hope that is what we hear coming out of fall camp. Because, man, I want to see Lion Gang and Cooper Beebe right there together on that left side. Whew. But regardless, I have very high hopes. I think the offensive line is going to be great. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be listening for tight end stuff. You know, how much is Ben Sennett playing tight end versus fullback? Uh, his designation on the K-State roster has moved from fullback to tight end. Uh, we've seen Sammy Wheeler make some big plays, make some big catches before. Will any of the young tight ends start to you know catch up there? I think we know at least the top three wide receivers, who they're going to be coming into uh, week one, coming into camp. Malik Knowles, can he stay healthy, keep him healthy? Phillip Brooks, very reliable. Cade Warner, again, he was a he made some big plays for Skyler. And again, he has that rapport and that relationship with Adrian Martinez already. Uh, so you have to think those are going to be the three guys. Who's going to step up into that fourth role? I think we all have hope that RJ Garcia is going to have a massive coming out party this year. Again, I, I've been a massive fan of RJ Garcia. I know Drew Galloway is a massive fan of RJ Garcia. I hope we see that come to fruition because he's going to be a fun guy if if so. And then who's going to back up Deuce? I, I mean, we, I think, I think fans kind of obsessed over, uh, you know, running back two last year, almost to the point where, 
I mean, who can, like Joe Irvin, people were clamoring for more touches for Joe Irvin. Um, would have liked for him to stick around, but hey, it is what it is. When you got 22, I don't think you worry about running back two too much. But again, I'm a big DJ Giddens guy out of Junction City, Kansas. I'd like to see him maybe start to get some carries. Uh, big Tony Frias coming in from California, from Modesto Community College, I believe. Big Tony Frias, again, he rolls deep on Twitter. Uh, shout out to all the folks out in California. It sounds like they're going to have a big group coming up uh, to Manhattan for some home games. Uh, so which one of those two guys is going to cement themselves as the guy who comes in to give Deuce a breather? So those are all the big fall camp stories that I'm going to keep my ear to the ground on. Uh, we're going to finish with some basketball uh, recruiting news um, because maybe the biggest visitor Tang has had so far was on campus, and that is Keontae Johnson, uh, the Florida transfer. So people might remember Johnson. Uh, I'm going to call him Key Johnson because I think it's Keontae, but you know, you guys know me and my pronunciation. You would think, you know, coming up on five years of doing a podcast, I would have gotten better at this. But hey, we can't all be perfect. I'm pretty darn close to perfect, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's probably going to piss off some people listening. But Key Johnson was his first two years at Florida an absolute firecracker. This guy, his sophomore year, averaged 14 and 7 and was first team All SEC. He came back, he foregone or forewent the NBA draft. Uh, coming into the you know 2020-2021 season, the COVID season, uh, didn't go into the draft. He came back. He was the SEC player preseason player of the year. And four games in, if you don't know, he had a heart issue and collapsed on the floor. It was not COVID-related. Uh, did not get cleared that season. Did not get cleared by Florida's doctors at all last season. And then he decided to go into the transfer portal versus trying to get into the NBA and all that. He had some legal uh, issues he had been acquitted completely of. Then he was cleared of, uh, got a clean bill of health from doctors. So uh, you have to believe that he is ready to go. Uh, And again, this is the type of guy who would instantly come in and I think he would be the best player on this team. He would instantly slot in as the uh, probably the lead scorer. He's a guy who, again, got seven rebounds. I mean, he, he's a more athletic Mark Smith, you know, with a higher upside, with an NBA lottery upside. Now, I don't think with his health issues in the past, even with a clean bill of health, I think any idea of being a lottery pick is out the door for him. But he could be the first NBA draft pick of the Jerome Tang era if they can get him signed. Now, he had a great visit. If you follow social media at all, the coaching staff was pumped. Uh, As the kids would say, the vibes were immaculate amongst the coaching staff and the players. They had a karaoke party Saturday night. Uh, I I have to think that they're feeling pretty good about it. As of recording, I'm recording this at 3.11 on July 31st. Now, if he commits later today, I might have to put out like a quick little emergency podcast uh, so just just check your podcast feed. Make sure I didn't drop something Sunday night. Uh, you know, j- just just make sure, 
Just make sure. Uh, but if you can bring him in, I I think I think we go beyond. I think we go beyond the idea of thinking this is a bubble team, and we go to say that they are a future tournament team. I think if you get this next score, you can stop saying we hope to be on the bubble, and we can go straight to I hope we can get into the NCAA tournament. That is how big of a deal this one is. This is massive. Now, can they get it done? I don't know. Um, He already had a visit to Western Kentucky. He's been talking to USC quite a bit, and I would imagine any school that has an open scholarship right now, now that they see that Jerome Tang has offered, brought him in, now that we're starting to see, okay, there's some high major programs with K-State and USC trying to bring him in on a visit, I would not be surprised if you see some bigger schools, some more Power 5 competition. So I'll be on pins and needles all week hoping to get that one over the goal line. I know I'm mixing sports here, but that it, it would be massive, folks. It would be massive. Now, it's not it's not Johnson or Bust when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I'm sitting here, and I'm feeling really good about this team. Uh, C.J. Moore had a great article in The Athletic talking about, uh, you know, he spent, it seems like, a week in Manhattan shadowing Jerome Tang. Jerome Tang said on multiple occasions, and, and, and the players on the team have taken this up, they expect to be in the NCAA tournament. Now, that's the type of, you know, swagger I want from the team. I'm not there yet. Maybe that makes me a bad fan, but I'm right. I'm right there on the borderline, man. I, I I think it's going to be a fun year. I think it's going to be a special year. And if they can get Key Johnson over the end, get him enrolled, have him there for practice when it starts here in August. I mean, I guess they're practicing right now. I I don't know. I don't know if there's any summer classes he can enroll in and start getting into the workouts right now. I think he's going to have to wait until mid, late August when the fall term starts. But if you get him in there, folks, I don't see any reason to put any sort of limitations on him if so. I, I, I legit, legitimately think he could be mentioned as a candidate for newcomer of the year in the Big 12. That is how big of a get he would be. Now, they're also going after and, and they're making some cuts for a lot of blue chip guys. I think that the recruiting and the roster building, I think Jerome Tang, especially in this 2023 class, is going about it in the 100% right way. We're getting in on a lot of these Texas kids that Malagy have ends, have ends with. Rodney Perry is officially part of the squad, so you might start seeing some uh, Mocan and Link Prep guys start popping up as options. I am over the moon excited for the direction this basketball team is going. You know, I, I, I've already told everyone I, I have season tickets. I am on board. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I'm pumped, guys. So if we can get this one over, I, I think it might call for an emergency type podcast so maybe keep your eyes out for that we'll see what happens or maybe i'll just work it into one of these blitz month stuff maybe i'll work it into the live show but we will talk about it if it gets over over the goal line again i keep i keep mixing them up get into the hoop get them enrolled i'm not sure the best best uh 
analogy, but it's going to dominate a lot of my bandwidth and my Twitter watching this week. So hopefully it gets done. Uh, the, the, the coaching staff seems confident, so I think we should too. Um, but yeah, that's all I have for you guys. Oh, actually, no, for no, that's not it. I, I'm going. To, I'm going to just kind of. I, I'm gonna kind of get on my Big Twelve versus Pac Twelve soapbox just real quick. Again, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time. But man, if you want to hear some whining, absolute petulant children activity, go back and listen to George Kliakov's Pac-12 Media Day Address. That man is such a loser. He was crying and trying to throw daggers at the Big 12. Not not USC, UCLA, not the Big 10, but the Big 12 for trying to destabilize his conference. Now, I'm not over-the-top bullish on what the new... Big 12, the upcoming Big 12 TV deal is going to look like versus what the Pac-12 deal is going to look like. I'm not one of these people who think we're going to double them up or anything. I think we might have a better TV deal, but I don't know if it's going to be substantially better. But man, the gall of that man to to say, oh, I appreciated them, the Big 12 saying they're open for business. We haven't decided if we're going to shop there yet. Give me a fucking break. George Kliakov is living in a fantasy land if he thinks that any Big 12 team is going to jump ship to the Pac-12. You have the Oregon AD out here saying that he's he, he's not going to sign a grant of rights deal that isn't or any long-term grant of rights deal. He's going to keep it short-term. There's nothing the Pac-12 can do to get them to themselves to a spot where they can poach the Big 12. They fucked up last year, not going for the kill shot, taking Oklahoma State Texas Tech, and again, as much as I hate to say it, trying to get KU as well. You know, grabbing those three schools and maybe even, I mean, those would have been the kill shot. Grabbing those three schools, I don't know if they would have needed an even number, and they could have taken TCU, and that that would have been a kill shot. Taking just two of those, just taking Oklahoma State and Texas Tech by themselves would have been a kill shot. Taking in, like I said, as much as I hate to say it, TCU and KU, that would have been a kill shot. They didn't do it. They messed up. That was a strategic mistake. And rumors are coming out now that it was USC that was trying to block that. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. But the Pac-12 had their chance. They didn't. They were pretentious enough. And again, even if USC put up a roadblock, if Kliakov, Kliakov had any sort of leadership, if rest of the Pac-12 wasn't so pretentious, they could have gotten it done. They could have overrid one school. But they didn't. And now you have to lay in your bed and live with it. Now, again, I'm not saying that the Big 12 is going to definitively poach. Because I don't know. I, I, I truthfully don't know. I would like to, but I have no idea. But if you're now stuck saying that you're either going to continually sign short-term TV deals or hope that a streaming giant comes and gives you a sweetheart deal... And that you might have to promote San Diego State and then like UNLV or Fresno or SMU. Really? Those are your options and you're, you're saying, oh yeah, we're, 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 we're going to, we haven't decided if we're going to go shopping with the Big 12. Give me a break. Give me a break. And again, if you have the hindsight or the, the foresight that you know this is coming, does the Big 12 make the additions that they do? 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I can tell you this. BYU was the number one best possible school, best free agent outside of, like, gettable free agent outside of Notre Dame. And the Pac-12 turned their nose up at BYU for centuries. I think Cincinnati is the number two, definitive number two. Now, I don't really like having Houston. I don't really like having Central Florida. I don't think those were the best moves. But again, those are both better than anything that the Pac-12 can add in. And I save me with your San Diego State bullshit. So I just had to get that out there. Again, that's all the time I'm going to spend on that one. George Kliakov is a clown. Most of the Pac-12 schools and some of their fan bases thinking that they can poach the Big 12, that they're above the Big 12, that they're going to be getting substantially better money. And we know the product isn't better. We know on the field and on the court the product isn't better. Anyone who sell, says otherwise, clowns. So that's all I have to say about that. I love you guys. Again, we are going to get Blitz Month preview shows on Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday. We're going to have the live show that we record Wednesday, and that will drop on the feed on Thursdays. We love you guys. For my trusty co-host, Chauncey Bosco, remember to adopt, don't shop. And as Grant would say, and also Grant's back on Twitter if you guys want to go find him. He might get mad at me for saying that. That's a secret account. But he would say meet me at the cat head. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors Podcast Network.